Amen, amen. How's everybody doing today? Very good. Anybody enjoying the cool morning? Ooh, I know I am. It was amazing. So I'm thankful that each and every one of you are here. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, or maybe the first time in a little while, or maybe uh, clicking online, uh, we just did a three quick three-part series on the book of Joshua. We looked at Joshua chapter 1, 2, and 3, and uh, we were sharing some vision about our church and where God's leading us in this next phase of ministry uh, for those first three. And then today, I have a special, what I'm calling a standalone message. So it's not a part of Joshua um, and it's really, uh, I'll dive into it in just a minute. So the standalone message today, but I wanted to say is that next week we're starting a new series on healthy relationships. What do healthy relationships look like and how does God guide us in order to have those healthy relationships? Because guess what? Every single one of us have what? Relationships, right? We all interact with other people all the time. It's the way that God designed it. And so what do healthy relationships look like? How do we navigate that? Uh, how do we navigate conflict and uh, growing in a healthy way and all of these different pieces? And the amazing thing is, is that the Bible gives us wisdom on all of that. And so we're going to dive in and, and, and see what the Bible has to say about healthy relationships and how do we do that. And that is a broad scope because there's a lot of different avenues for relationships, but I believe there's some principles that will be transferable to all of us. And so, But today, I want to talk a little bit about, um, today is more of a topical study. Okay, so I, I really love to preach through the Bible exegetical, kind of like what we were doing where you grab one, one book of the Bible and just kind of preach through it. I love that aspect of it as well. I think we all road together in that. But today's a little more topical because um, today I, we, it's, it's kind of sentimental because my birthday is tomorrow. Hey, hey, uh, shameless plug. Anyway, um, <laughs> so but so on these moments, you get a little sentimental, right? You begin to think about the past, to start to think about the future. Uh, and I'm about 12 years into full time ministry. I started out preaching in a, a uh, preaching at a, a youth detention center was one of my first sermons that I ever preached in. So I love that, love serving there. And then I went into student ministry for about seven years. And then five years ago, we planted this church. And so 12 years of ministry. And I'm calling today's message, Five Lessons from the Front Lines. Five Lessons from the Front Lines. I almost entitled it Five Lessons from the Trenches, but I wanted a little bit more co uh, positive connotation, you know, uh, to think about that. But being a pastor for almost a little over 12 years now uh, has given me the opportunity to have thousands of conversations. And if you've never experienced this before, but sometimes when people find out that you're a pastor, you could be at Walmart and you will hear their entire life story, right? Like right there in the moment. Um, it, it is a little different, but it's a complete honor. I mean, it's a complete honor for me uh, to be able to do that. And then, I, you know, because then I can pray over someone and with someone right there in the middle of Walmart, whatever it may be. Now, it brings other things too. people find out I'm a pastor and they're like, you know, they start to act all proper and like, uh, you know, what did I just say a minute ago? Did I throw a cuss word out there? What did I do? You know, all these things. Uh, but, but as a pastor, it's been really great to have those things. And I've been in a wide spectrum uh, of realities and in relationships and working with people. And there seems to be a common theme, so to speak, through all of those conversations. And if I were to kind of boil those down and really put a few of them into a category and we were to sit down together 
uh, at a local coffee shop and uh, drink coffee together and have a conversation and you were to ask me, okay, over the last 12 years, what are some of the major lessons that you just see over and over again as a pastor, as you're talking with people through vast different scopes of life? I would do these five things right here and begin to sit down and go, well, here's some things that I've seen because I've been on the front lines, because I've been privy to some of those conversations with people over and over again. And so that's what we're going to dive in today, dive into today. And so as you begin to think about it, I pictured one of those uh, weary travelers, you know, where they've gone, visited somewhere and they come back and they're a little tired, but also excited because they've experienced a lot, maybe some things they've never experienced before, but they've experienced this whole new place. But what happens when people come back from that experience? is they have all of these stories, right? They want to tell you about all of it. They're like, oh, I interacted with this person and I saw this and all of this happened. And that's what I hope today feels like. Like we're going on a journey together and I get a chance to tell the story of Jesus and how he is woven into everything that we do. And it's a glorious, uh, pretty cool thing. And so uh, if you're keeping notes, it's going to be kind of hard because I'm, I'm going to give you a lesson and there's going to be a couple verses that may not be in the same book. So if you're taking notes, I'll probably email out some notes as well as we do that. But I just want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning. Everybody still doing okay? Well, you look good, you know, so that's great. And uh, we're going to pray and just, uh, <laughs> oh, I said thank you. Uh, should I say go dogs or is it too early in the season? No, oh, okay, okay. All right, all right. Uh, there's some of you in the room that just shut everything off. Like, you know what, he, did, he knows nothing. Um, all right, so let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Uh, today is a gift. And uh, God, we are just honored that we get to open up your word and to glean a little bit of truth and wisdom, and grace, and love, and joy, and maybe even be challenged a little bit, and stirred up on the inside. God, I just pray that you would do what only you can do, and that is transform hearts for the gospel. God, I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead in everything that we do, God. I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen, amen. So as we look at this here today, the two of them, I'm going to go ahead and say they are sobering realities. Okay, so you're going to be listening to the first two and you're like, oh, great. Glad I came to church today. Uh, But the next three are going to be more of encouraging in nature. Okay, so everybody ready? Everybody buckled in. The first one that I would love for you and I to get is, is as I begin to talk with people as a pastor, I kind of want to set the stage here. and We're going to kind of just dive right in, jump right in is that I have the amazing opportunity to do celebration moments with people, right? And so, in fact, at the end of September, I'm doing a wedding down in Florida where we get to have this moment of celebration with people. But also, on the other end of the spectrum, I'm, I have been privy to be in the hospital room where people take their last breath, you know, to experience that. And I'll tell you, I've been to both. you got the celebration high praise moment. And then there's moments where I preach a funeral, And you want to talk about a complete honor, but sobering moment is that when you're the person that walks in front of the casket as you walk out of the funeral. I remember my first funeral. I remember doing that, walking in that moment. And I remember everything. I just completely being overwhelmed of going one moment going, God, I can't do this. Right. And then the next moment of going, God, this is kids are having an awesome time right there. You see Uh, Yeah, I I can't believe that. But also, God, this is a complete honor that we get to point people to you, but also remember and celebrate the life 
that is right here. And the first lesson that I just had to say to kind of base everything off, the first one is that life is a mist. I mean, there is probably not a week that goes by that we're not praying for someone who is battling literally for their life right? That, that at any moment that that can happen. And it's just a sobering reality that as a pastor, uh, we have a moment to pray for those people, right? And, and that happens to all of us. But for us to be able to peek into the window a little bit to remember and realize that life is a mist, right? We see this actually in James chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. It says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live or do this and do this or that. Right. James begins to peek in and he's going, hey, remember that life is a miss. And if you remember, this is kind of funny and maybe not even uh, appropriate in this section. But, you know, when you go to Six Flags, I grew up in Georgia, you went to Six Flags and it's so hot outside and they have those big misters. When you walk in, you just feel that mist. But the mist only lasts what? For a quick moment. Right. And And it vanishes. And that's what God is trying to remind us of, is that God is eternal. He is all, no, he, he knows everything and he is forever. But you and I, we have this short moment of opportunity here on earth. And that God placed us here for a reason and for a purpose for this particular day and time. It is not by accident that you were born right here in this day and age, in this generation, in this moment of time, right? God knew for hundreds of years, he he almost looked ahead of that for you and I. But he wants to remind us that every single day is a gift. So if we begin to think about that, what do we do? Because life is a mist, because life is short, right? And, and with that reminder, in, in fact, we read in the book of Psalms that God tells us to, to number our days, right? He says, hey, know that our days are numbered and keep that sobering reality in front of us, not so that we live in fear, like oh, today could be the day. So, you know, when we're just walking around scared, looking over our shoulder full of anxiety and worry, but no, so that you and I can, can know that there is some urgency to our lives, right? That there is this moment of complete trust in the Lord every single day. And there's a moment. Uh, that, in fact, we had a good friend of ours who's one of their kids is battling through some serious health issues. And I just called my wife and I was like, you know what? I'm just so thankful for health right now, right? Like just it it creates this reality moment of a gracious and a thankful heart is a great cure for many things, right? And just to wake up in the morning and go, (gasps) just just maybe if you if you feel yourself so overwhelmed with life and worried about a lot of different things that are going on, you just feel the overwhelming feeling piling up in the morning. Wake up, take a deep breath. Because that was a gift, Right. That was a gift for my lungs to be filled with that oxygen. And today, right now, today, Sunday, September 3rd, the day before, I'm just kidding. I was going to say the day before my birthday. Shame was again. Is a gift. Right. And it's a gift for you and I to have that day, to have that opportunity, to have that conversation. My wife and I are blessed with four kids. And on some days it's like, how are we even going to do this? Right. And on those days, I have to go back and go, today's a gift. They're not always going to be with me, right? And of course, I'm not saying we always have to do that, right? But maybe we have a friend that is just so hard or that coworker that is so hard to deal with. 
people, yet we go back to this sobering reality going, life is a mist, is a vapor. I may not even be at that job forever. I only have so much time with that coworker. I only have so much time with that person. It's not so that we have to live in fear, but for you and I, every day is a gift. We need to live like it and make the most of it, right? Today, I have something to do. Today, God has called me for a purpose. And just knowing that reality is a huge thing. So that's the first one. You guys still with me? You're not like Daniel. You're crazy. Okay. This one right here, I want you to lean in a little bit. I told you the two are the first sobering realities. And the second one is, is uh, I, when we have conversations with people, there are so many times, and I'm sure if you've been in church for a while, you've heard of this word called sin. And it's tossed around a lot, especially in church and the, in the Christian world. And you may hear it a lot, but sometimes it's even harder going, what is sin? Why are we calling this? And what is that? And all of these different things. And the Bible describes sin as literally missing the mark. It, it's I've missed the mark. I've I begin to stray away from God's plan and design for my life. Right. And if you look at the Bible and we actually look at the Old Testament, and begin to look at some of the Ten Commandments that God has given us. And we read the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus actually ups the ante a little bit on the Ten Commandments. And we begin to read the Sermon on the Mount. And he's like, you know, if you actually if you're uh, if you're angry at someone in your heart, right, like that now all of a sudden you've elevated it. He's not just saying that you've actually hurt someone, but yet even if you've been angry at them in your heart, it's like you've committed that, that moment. It's like you've committed that act. And, and he even brings it on. He's like, you know, even if you've had the lustful thought and desire in your heart and in your mind, he's like, hey, you, you've committed adultery in that moment, right? Like he's up the ante to where you and I read it and go, I've fallen short. I, I didn't make it. But this is what I want to say today. And uh, I'm, gonna kinda, I'm, I'm not going to dance around it, right? Because I believe God's called us to it. And I told you the first ones were, were a little bit more heavy. But sin is more deadly than you think. And no one is safe. I softened it for you a little bit. Everyone wrestles with it, right? Sin is more deadly than we think. I want to read this verse here in James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. But each person is tempted. I love that. But each person, right? Every person, Romans 3.23 says, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have missed the mark. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Isn't this fascinating? Own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And I begin to think about missing the mark. And um, we have kind of painted missing the mark as... Uh, this uh, this softening thing of going, oh, I've met, I've sinned and uh, let me let me just repent and turn to God. Let me just ask for forgiveness. I'm going to mess up. We all mess up. Everyone messes up. Right. Like we just kind of toss it out there lightly. But when we read James and when you have talked to someone who has literally crawled out of the trenches of something like addiction, Right. And you've seen sin give full birth to something that has caused this spiritual and emotional death in their life where they have crawled from the bottom. Right. And we look at their life and going, oh, I just never thought it would lead to there. I never thought. Have you ever talked to someone who's had that experience in life? Most of the time they say, I would have never I don't even know how I got here. I can't believe how this even happened. And it happens in a slow fade. 
it happens with one compromise or let me move my boundary back a little bit further and let me move my boundary back a little further. And, I, and I'll lean in, and especially in student ministry, people would ask me all the time, they go, hey, they would ask me, where is the line, basically? Hey, w- when is this a sin? And I always encourage them, look, we can help you navigate where the line is, but that's the wrong question. The question you and I need to ask is, how close to Jesus can I get? Right. How close and an intimate relationship with him can I get if it I've gotten to the point in my life where my relationship with God, even if it gets me close, even if it catches my eye, it's like, OK, I need to set that boundary here because you and I, we see that the Bible tells us to renew our minds and take every thought captive because thoughts turn into emotions and then emotions turn into actions. Right. Like at first it starts as a thought in our mind, like, huh. What about that? Right. Huh. What about this? And I love James because it says, what does it start out as our own desire? Right. That you and I have a sinful nature, uh, what the Bible calls in some translations, this fleshly uh, desire that that we wrestle with. There's a sin nature that is trying to pull us away from God. And there's a godly nature that's trying to make us more godly. And they're constantly as on this side of heaven, they're constantly battling together. And then when we give in, a lot of times when we call our own desire, which is our sinful, what this is talking about here, our sinful desire, we give into that. It pulls us away from God. But in the quick moment, the devil likes to wrap it up as like, hey, it's just it's just one decision. It's, it's just one text. It's just one movie. It's just one, you know, it's like, it's just one conversation. It's just one person that you haven't really forgiven. It's just one, you know, it's just one person that you're really bitter with. It's just one, you know, it's like, hey, you deserve this, right? It begins to boost our pride up. Hey, you, you deserve, you should have this. And there are some things that you deserve, right? There are some things in those moments, but yet when it turns into this prideful state of that, I get this because the Bible gives us a different picture, right? It says what I deserve is hell, right? But Jesus, who is rich in his mercy and full of grace, died on the cross for me. And he reached down and he saw Daniel in the trenches of sin. And he pulled me out. And he said, this is not the life that I have made for you. And I will give you a new name. And I will give you a new heart. I will turn your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And I will give you a new hope and a new purpose and a new vision. Right? And he says, that's the life that I want for you that is full of joy and peace and hope and love. And all of these fruits of the Spirit. Right? But yet outside of the Spirit, that's not what produces is being produced in us right but in the moment it's if we're honest it's hard to see right it's hard to see like okay this is the line and so my encouragement for all of us is that the guardrails are not set to all the way if you're walking down a path they're not set all the way to the edge because my desires is not to see how close to the edge i can get right Look, look, look look how godly I am, right? My hills are on the edge. Look, I'm so close to sin, but I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it, right? But my guardrail is actually in my thoughts. My guardrail is actually here where Jesus tries to redirect us and goes, hey, renew your mind. You just, hey, you just had a sinful thought. Let's address it now, right? Let's submit it and make it obedient to God now because that thought, if it's left unattended, is going to turn into a what? An emotion. And then that emotion, right, it just starts to well up. Ooh, now I'm angry. Now I'm bitter. Now, now I'm, I'm feeling guilty. And now whatever, I'm feeling insecure, right? Like all of these things. And then it turns into an action outside of those things. And God 
He designed you. He designed me. And he knows this about us. So he says, hey, make your guardrail in the mental part of your mind. Make the guardrail of I had this thought. So let me address this now. Let me let me surrender it to God. Let me begin to renew my mind. Let me replace the lie with the truth of God's word. Right. And God begins to renew that in us. And we may even be we as Christians may not act and do things that the world does. Right. Because we know maybe it's a temptation for us. So I, I really can't do that. I can't watch that kind of movie or I can't do this kind of thing. And you may be sitting here in the room going, well, that sounds like no fun. Right. And, and we begin to think that way. Right. And that's the enemy wants to lie that to us. But you and I guardrails are not limiting. They're to keep us onto the right path. Right. They're not limiting. They're making sure that we stay on the right path because we're here and we don't see the end result. But when we're on the front lines and we've seen people who have allowed sin just to keep going and keep going and keep going. And all of a sudden it gives birth to death in their life and you see where they're at and you're going, oh, I wish way back then they would have said, you know what, this is not for me and this is what I need to do. I need to make the decision now. I need to turn away from it and I need to pursue God and, and just cling to him to what he has for us. I want to give you this verse in 2 Peter 1.3. It's such a beautiful verse because sometimes it can be difficult, right? It's like, here we go wrestling with that again. Here we go working through that again. And how do I even do it? Do I even have the strength and the power to overcome that? And we see this in Second Peter verses, uh, chapter one, verse three. It says, "By His divine power." I love that, right? Not your power, not my power. By whose power? God's divine power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Isn't that a good promise, right there? God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who exalted us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory. And excellence. What a beautiful verse that God has given us himself dwelling in us who gives us power to overcome that. And then first Corinthians 10, 13 says the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Some people will mistranslate that verse. God will never give you more than you can handle. And uh, we know that's hard and we know that that's not true because we read the Bible. Right. And we see all of these different things that are happening. We've experienced in our own life. But God is saying, hey, I'm not going to give you a temptation that I'm not going to give you a way out of. Right. Or or the enemy. I'm not going to allow the enemy to give you a temptation that I'm not going to give you the power to get out of. I'm not going to give you the wisdom to get out of. Right. Because that's why the question needs to change from where's the line to where's Jesus. Right. Like, how can I get as close to Jesus? And I don't even want to get as the, the close to that sin there in that moment. And so we set the guardrails back, not because I want to be limited. Right. Not because we don't want to have any fun, not because of all those things. I think being full of joy in the midst of a crazy storm, having peace in the midst of turmoil. I think that uh, having wisdom and strength and divine power inside of me working through me, I think that's pretty fun, right? Like, I think that, that I'm living in the, the, the state and the promise that God has given us. And guardrails are not limited. They're keeping us on the right path, right? He's given us this moment. I, I love hiking. Anybody else love hiking in the house? I love being outside in nature. And if you're out in the thick of it, right, in the thick of it in the woods, you, when you begin to see all of those markers and when the trail is clearly marked and you know exactly where you're going, you're not going, oh, 
I wish there was less markers. I wish that the path was more unclear, right? No, when we're in the thick of it and you're way out in the woods and you're like, this is a little dangerous. This is a little scary. You're like, I'm so glad the path is so clear. I'm so glad that the guardrails are there, that the signposts are there, right? Because that's what happens to you and I in life, that we see the guardrails. We see the path. This is what God has created us for. And this is the path that he's calling us to. And then, so that's the first two. You guys so good? Very good. Awesome. I tested my mic like in the last row, so I know I can make a loop, you know, if we need to, just to make it interesting. Yeah. So as we begin to think about those two, right, that God, those are the moments that you and I get. And sometimes we have conversations with people and as we begin to talk about them, as they allow the sin to get fully grown, it it is hard and it's, it's holding on to us. And one of the things that we're the enemy is trying to distract us from is the purpose that God has given us. And when I say the purpose that God has given us, and last week we talked about the vision and what is the vision for our life that God has given us. And the beautiful thing is, is that you and I, we already have a clear calling. Every person in this room right now in 2023 on September 3rd, this Sunday, right now, it's Labor Day, right? Labor Day weekend, right now, you have a clear calling for your life, right? Because a lot of times, especially in the American culture, what are like the first three questions that people ask you? Hey, how you doing? What's your name? Where you're from? And then what? What do you do, right? Like, hey, what do you do? That's one of the, it's a, it's a piece that we actually tie to our identity, right? Like, oh, well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, or hey, I do this for a living, or I'm a pastor, or, uh, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm, whatever it may be, right? Oh, I work at this particular job, and we, we, in America, we attach that to our identity. Because sometimes, when maybe we lose a job, or something changes, we change career fields, we kind of have an identity crisis a little bit, right? We're going, ooh, who am I now that I'm outside of this, right? And, and now that I'm switching this, I, I got to figure out who I am. And God is going, look, I want you to have an identity in Christ outside of what you do, right? God is saying, I'm more concerned about who you are and who you're becoming. And then out of that, you allow that to flow. And what I love about the New Testament is we have guys like the Apostle Paul who helped write most of the New Testament, right? Who people were being healed off the hem of his robe. And you know what he did for a living? He wasn't a full-time pastor. He was a tent maker. He would roll up into a city and he would make tents in the market and he would begin to sell those tents. We're talking about the Apostle Paul who wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, most of the New Testament, right? I mean, if he were in America today, hey, my name is Paul, I'm a tent maker, right? And he began to introduce himself, but yet you wouldn't know that people were literally getting healed as he was walking through the streets. You wouldn't know that he was holding these full on all nighter discipleship sessions where people were sitting in the window would fall asleep and pass out and fall out. Right. Like like he this is the same Apostle Paul who was shipwrecked and and beaten and all of these different things. Right. But the, the thing for you and I to realize that I would love to encourage us with today is that you have a clear calling that I have a clear calling. And in America, I know it's, it's so hard sometimes to detach ourselves from maybe what we do to make a living. But even if we switch jobs, even if we're in different places, you still have a clear calling from God that every single day we can live into it. And that clear calling is that we can reach the loss for Christ. And then in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20, God says, therefore, go and make what? 
disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that right, teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And then he gives you this promise. I am with you. And my hope, my hope is, is that takes a little bit of weight off of you and I, right, of going because I, I kind of call it special or special uh, revelation where we kind of lean in. I just don't know what God wants me to do in my life. I'm not sure. And I'm praying about this job and I'm praying about this job. And sometimes we place that special revelation over God's general revelation, what he's called every Christian to do. And I'm saying, let's just switch those. This is our hope. This is what God's called us to do. He will guide us into this area, right? He cares about all of those details into our life, but let's not elevate it above what God's called every single Christian to do, reach the lost and to make disciples of all nations, right? That's what he wants for everyone. And I, and I can tell you, there is nothing more thrilling than the hope of obedience. I remember the first time I walked into the youth detention center. His name was Timothy. He was 16 years old. I don't even know what he did to get in there and so we would go into the pods and I remember my hands were sweaty I was shaking I was wearing my uh, white converse shoes and my tennis shoes I'm 23 years old my voice is cracking like all of these things right I remember walking in and we started to share the gospel with him and at the end he he looked up with tears in his eyes and he says I I need that I need Jesus and we were able to lead him to Christ right there in that moment and right there in that moment, I was a fourth grade school teacher right there in that moment. Like, that's what I was doing for a living. That was my job. That's how uh, I paid for my family to eat. But right there in that moment, I was like, this is my calling, right? Like, this is what God's calling. I want to give everything to this because there, I, I don't even know where Timothy's at right now. But I do know that there's going to be a day when we go to heaven and he and I are going to get a chance to catch up and to, and to connect and see what God is doing, right? Because God wants to use every single person here to do that. And there are moments and seasons in our life when it can feel overwhelming, right? And I'm not sure what to do. Maybe you're going, I don't know if I can make disciples. I don't know if I can share the gospel. And what I would encourage each and every one of us to do is to step back and, and begin to take inventory of who God has placed into our life right now. Maybe you bring out a piece of paper, get a journal, maybe in your notes app. I don't know if anybody writes on paper anymore, but you bring your notes app on your phone, right? And begin, yes, we got one. And then as you begin to type out, okay, this, I have my spouse, here are my kids, here's my friend, here's my neighbor, right? And begin to write out all of these names. And then all of a sudden it goes to, I don't know what I'm going to do to, look at all these people God's placed in my life, right? I, either they don't know Christ, so I know I'm trying to work in that conversation of sharing Christ with them, or how can I enter into a more intentional discipleship with them? And it could even be, I'm going to start with my family. Here's what I want to do. I have a clear calling from God today to live into that, to walk into that, what God has for you and has for me. But I would say God's called us to be more like a river than a lake. I love going to the lake. It is so fun. But I, I love the river too out on Bay River, the beautiful sunsets, the dolphins are coming up. It's just amazing, right? But the beautiful thing about a river is that you have, it's flowing in from the ocean, right? And then it continues to go out somewhere, right? And that's the way that God's intended you and I to live, that we're being poured into, we're being discipled, and then also we're pouring out into someone else. We're discipling someone else, right? And so we may be standing of going, maybe you are discipling. Maybe you're just pouring yourself out, pouring yourself out. And you're realizing, you know what? I'm empty. 
I'm drained. I need to be poured into too. So now my hope, my purpose is I'm going to jump in a small group. I'm going to walk into this discipleship so that I can be poured into and then I want to continue to pour that. Or maybe you've been in a small group for a while or in a discipleship group for a while and you're like, whoo, I've been filled up. I'm kind of overflowing here, right? I'm, I got a lot going on here. I need to start emptying some of that out, right? And God, listen, obedience is not knowing everything. Do you know what obedience is? Being faithful with what you know, right? Stewarding what God has given you. Maybe all you know is salvation because you just got saved last week. Guess what? Being faithful is, hey, I can share the gospel. <laughs> I just surrendered to it. I know what the gospel is. I know what the salvation. So now I can help pour into somebody else, right? Because God's called us to be obedient with what we know, with what we're faithful with. And we see that, how God continues to move. And the last two, I'm going to try not to get excited, okay? I'm just going to just bring it down a gear. We're going to move in. And the fourth one that you and I begin to talk to kind of feeds off of that. And this is such, this one right here, number four, if you and I will tune into it, I believe God can do something so special in our day and age. And this fourth one is, is God is active today, and here is how I know. God is active today, and I want to tell you how I know that, one, God is real, and that he is alive and active today in 2023, right? And I want to just take you to a quick verse here. In John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus is replying to these Pharisees, these religious leaders, and they're accusing Jesus because guess what Jesus had the audacity to do? Guess what he did? He healed somebody. Right. He took somebody who was hurting and he healed them. And the religious leaders came up to him and going, what are you doing working on a Sabbath? You can't work on a Sabbath. Right. And Jesus's response is so brilliant, so good, so eye opening. Right. So ahead of what they were even thinking. Jesus replied, my father is always working. And so am I. I love that. That one verse can radically change our life. Jesus in that statement is showing equality with God, right? And he is saying the Sabbath was not made for God. God doesn't need a break. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. He doesn't need a day off, right? He is all-knowing, all-powerful, unlimited, right? His grace is love. It showers continually. He doesn't need a break. And you and I come to the reality of living our daily life that God is always working. Moving here to the low country, um, I got introduced one of my good friends. He uh, does sailing charters. And so every once in a while, I get to get on a sailboat and help him out. And I think I've told some of you this story before. Um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, there is hardly any water out there, okay? And so the fun time thing on a Saturday is to ride around in the cul-de-sac on your bike, you know? So all these different things. And so I remember it was like the first week we met him. And he was like, look, I got to get my hours on the water. You should come out to the sailboat. It's going to be awesome. And I was like, okay. And he was like, here's the address. I look up the address. It's at the Yacht Club. I'm just an Atlanta boy. Yacht Club. Like, what, what's happening here? I don't even know how to control myself, right? And so I'm rolling the windows down. We're getting ready to go in. I'm like, hey, can you tell me where the Yacht Club is? We're just going to the Yacht Club. That's just me. My family, we're going to the Yacht Club. That's what we do in the low country. Just can you show me where the Yacht Club is? You know, I'm just, I'm literally asking everybody. People walking down the street, stopping, rolling the window. Hey, can you tell me where the Yacht Club is? That's where we're all going, to the Yacht Club. I just need you to tell me where we're going, right? 
And so if we get there and we get on the boat and he's teaching me all about sailing. And uh, for me, I kind of had this picture of sailing is just like the old times. They have the square sails and you just find the wind and the wind pushes you. But the amazing thing about sailing is that whenever uh, the Wright brothers took off in aviation, it changed the game for sailing because they realized how wind can create lift. And actually, if you head into the wind, it'll create lift. And so they said, I bet this will work on water. Let's turn this sail back up vertical and let's head into the wind, right? Instead of the wind at our back and it creates the same effect and it sucks the boat forward and it's way more efficient and it's way better for sailing, way faster. And so they learned this, right? But what I love about the illustration of sailing is, is that you and I as Christians, as a sailboat captain, all you're doing is reading the wind. You're looking for where the wind is and you're going, okay, the wind is here. It's heading in this direction. Let's head straight into it. As a Christian, you and I, we have a God who is always working. He is never tired. Right now in the low country, he is working. When you go to work, he is working. When you go home and with your family, he is working. He is always working. You and I, our job is to go, okay, where's God working? Where's my wind at? So I can head right into the wind, right? And this changes the game. How exciting is tomorrow, right? I'm going to wake up. Where's God working? Where's God working today? How can I join him in his work? Isn't that so much more freeing? Today, here's my to-do list. Here's what I got to do. Here's what I got to knock out. Now, there's still things that God's asked us to do. But yet, while we're doing those things, God may be trying to get our attention of going, where is God's working? And here's some helpful hints for you and I to know when and where God is working. Is that when if somebody asks you a spiritual question, God is at work in their heart. Right. God is drawing them in. Hey, where do you go to church? Hey, I've been going through this. and I noticed that you and your family go to church and I've been thinking about this. You know, right there in that moment, God is working in your neighbor's heart right there. You're like, okay, here we go, God. Let me get let me move my whole sails. Let me get there. Get ready because, you know, God, any time that spiritual question comes up in our life, in our heart, that's one of my favorite things about being a parent is all of a sudden you're riding in the car and out of nowhere, the kids ask you just this random question, right? And it's a spiritual question about God. And sometimes it's, it's too deep. I'm like, oh boy, here we go, right? Like, I don't know how to answer this. But you begin to think about all of those things. But right there in that moment, step back and go, okay, God is working right here in them in this moment, right? And begin to work in this. And I love when you watch Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus begins to find people who need help. He finds them in their pain. He finds them in their struggles. And a lot of times he'll even ask them a precursor question. He'll say something like, in in different variations, do you want to be healed? Right. He's looking to see, hey, are you ready? Do you have faith? Do you believe or do you want to be healed? And people are like, yes, I want to be. I believe you can heal me. And he's like, OK, come here. Let me show you this, because there's this moment where God wants us to seek after him. And God is at work today in 2024. I'm telling you, I've sat right there in that connect center and I've listened to someone for the first time in their life profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And in that moment, right Right there, they prayed to God and they received the Holy Spirit and their eternal security was secure in Christ. And right there in that moment, just a regular, ordinary Sunday, we have seen people come to know Christ. And I can tell you at least once a month after a message, somebody will come up to me and go. How'd you know how to say that? How'd you know to say that? How'd you how how did you know I was thinking that this week? 
right? I'm like, I didn't know. I'm just, I'm listening to scripture. And if the Holy Spirit sometimes will go, you got to say this, you got to say this, you got to say this. And I'm like, okay. And then I say it. And then somebody after goes, oh, I can't believe you said that. Oh, I can't. I was thinking about that all week. This is crazy. I'm trying to tell him like God is so good and he is always working. And the Holy Spirit unites us and connects us. He's working in you. He's working in me. And God begins to work in those moments and see it over and over and over again. We see people in this room who are leading other people to Christ for the very first time. And you come and I see you come to me and go, do you know this stuff actually works? Daniel, did you know that the guy can use him? Like, I told you, this is amazing. I, he will use every single person that surrenders to him. God is at work and active today. And if you need more proof, we'll just keep talking on that, right? We see it over and over again. I got to hurry up because bridge kids, they're just going to release the kids and come in here. But the last one is, as we begin to talk and really begin to sense this moment in life, that you and I, there's a lot of different distractions that we can have, right? There's a lot of different things that try to catch our attention. In 2023, we live in the information age. I think they say we get like 10,000 notifications a day, just, just information over and over and over again of all of these different things. And there's this, there's this man named Solomon in the Old Testament, and he has lived a vast lifestyle. In fact, he is King David's son, and he becomes king. So I love this story because Solomon, get this picture, he becomes king, and so he has all of this power. I mean, he's over a whole kingdom. His, his dad was a warrior, and so uh, because his dad was a warrior, he created all of this uh, space for the Israelites, and then Solomon took over, and they say Solomon kind of took over in this uh, peacetime because he's living off the shoulders of what his dad did. And so Solomon, he begins to talk to God, and God says, hey, I'll give you anything you want. I'll give you anything you want. Uh, just tell me what you want. And Solomon, he says, I want wisdom. I need to know how to lead your people. And God was so impressed that he asked for wisdom. He gave him wisdom through the moon. But then he also made him one of the most richest people to ever live on this planet. So not only is he king, he has all the money that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And then I'm not recommending this, but he also had 700 concubines. Okay, if you don't know what that is, he basically had 700 wives. Okay, and so all, he has money. He has, he's the king. Yes, women, right? Like all of these different things to think about, right? All of these different pieces in life that maybe there's different things that we try to chase. Relationships it could not just be women, it could be relationships, it could be all these things, right? That we place of I need that, I need that, I need that, I need this. And it's taken over my mind, it's taken over my life. It could be whatever it may be. But this is Solomon. He wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. If you want a fascinating read, you can read that flat. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14. This is what this man says after having all of that. He says, I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. I mean, think about that. I mean, he had all of that, everything at his disposal. And he said, all of that is vanity and it's like chasing after the wind, right? Like I, I thought I caught it. I reached this one level and I caught it. But then guess what? You're going to need another one, right? I'm going to have to keep chasing. It's like chasing the wind. I can never grasp it. I'm never making enough. I'm never doing enough. I'm never, I, all of these different things. I'm chasing after the wind. And then to parallel that to when Jesus comes, there's a, uh, let me see, Tim Hayes. Yep, Dave's got it. Look, look, man, Dave came in here as, 
This is Portable World. There's a phone beeping right there. He's going to press the button. We're all good. And then I'm going to land the plane with this because we have that story. And you and I begin to chase after many things in life. And it can be really easy to chase after those things, right? To put those things above God. And they're very enticing. But at the end of the day, we've seen a man who had all of that. And he says, hey, I've, I've already done that. I remember a, a, a pastor told me one day, he said, you can learn by mentors or you can learn by mistakes, right? So we can lean in to a mentor right here, Solomon, of going, hey, I've, I've already been down that road, right? That's why many of us serve in youth ministry and bridge kids. We're like, hey, I've already been down that road. It's not going to get you what you think. Like, you're, I, I promise you, right? Like all of these different things. And we begin to mentor, and Solomon begins to paint this picture. But then Jesus comes in the New Testament, and he meets this woman at the well. And this woman at the well is feeling all alone. She's hopped from relationship and marriage to another relationship and all of these different things. And it's left her high and dry. And here's what Jesus says to her. And this is what Jesus says to you and I. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I love Jesus. He's using the water at the well where they're meeting on an everyday moment. And Jesus turns it into a gospel presentation. And he's going, hey, there's a translation. If you read this part where it says you don't have to look any further, you don't have to go any anywhere else. He's like, I can give you something that will never run dry, that will fully satisfy you. And I remember having a conversation with a guy. He was like, you know, I just love partying. I love going after these women. These are his words. I'm just not elaborating. He's like, I love, I'm not sure I can give it up. And he's like, is, he's like, is it, first question he asked, is it easy? I said, no, it's not easy. I said, but it's fulfilling. It's fully satisfying. What you're chasing will never satisfy, but Jesus will. And Jesus can fill the void and that, that spot in our heart and life and our soul. And if you're taking notes, the fifth one, Jesus is the answer and the prize. He is the answer for what is going on in our life. And he is the prize. He, when we receive Christ, not only will he heal us and fulfill us, but he is the prize possession that we put up on the mantle that we take with us every single day. He's our power. He's our hope. Outside of him, there is no peace. Outside of him, there is no joy. Outside of him, it's just like chasing the wind. But when we have Jesus, come hell or high water when we leave this place, if I have Jesus with me, I can make it through, right? And on my very worst day, I can look death straight in the eyes because life is a mist. And I can walk through like we just sang about victoriously because I know that Jesus has paved a way for me. Because Jesus is the answer and the prize that you and I can rest on. And I'm going to end with this quote. C.S. Lewis said this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. That you and I, maybe we were made for another world, right? So my question as we close today, which truth did you need today? Which truth did you need today? Did you say, you know what? I got a lot going on and I just needed the, the revelation that life is a mist. 
And that every day is a gift, right? Like every day. I just needed that right now today. I just needed that moment in my life. Or maybe is it as we begin to think about it, I've been, I've been kind of wrestling with some things and I've been giving in to some things and I just need to know sin is deadly and no one is safe, right? I need to know that I need to, to cut those, some of those things off or maybe I needed to be reminded that I do have a clear calling. God does have an eternal hopeful work for me. Maybe you just needed to know, you know what? God is active today. And I need to be aware of that. And I need to surrender to that. And then lastly is maybe I've been chasing some things. And I feel like I've been, I just can't quite catch it. Right? I can't quite catch it. And if you're young in the room, just ask one of these guys that um, has been living for a little while. Right? And just lean in. Mistakes are mentors. Right? Being lean in and go, hey, it's not going to give you what you thought it was going to. Jesus is the answer and the prize. Pursue after him with everything that you have. And he will lead you on the right path, right? And then we, we may not have to ask all of those other questions of where's the line and what should I do? And, and then we may even put place that, uh, God, I just need to know exactly what to do every single day. God's going, hey, I'm giving you a clear calling right here. Start with that. Live with that. And when you do that, I'll begin to make the other things clear inside of our lives and, and begin to guide you in those steps. But he's saying, just follow after me. And I love that about Jesus, right? Because he came. The Pharisees and religious leaders, they were trying to make everything so complicated and added laws and subsections of laws and all of these things. And Jesus goes, hey, I'm just going to take all of this complexity out. Just keep your eyes on me. Keep following after me. I, I'm the one that's going to sustain you. I'm the one that's going to give you wisdom. I'm the one that's going to give you direction. So I want to pray for us today. And if you've never uh, surrendered your life and heart to Christ, I would love to pray with you right after service. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of stand up here in the front for a little while. And uh, I would love to pray over you and help you take your next steps. And Or you can go to the Connect Center. We always have somebody there connected with you. And we just want to help you take those steps. So I just want to pray for us as a church and ask God to speak to our hearts here today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, your truth, your power. Thank you that you are still alive and active today, God. Jesus, you are the answer. God, we, you are the prize. And may our hearts and our eyes and our affections and our desires be to fully embrace you, God. I pray that there's anything in our lives that maybe are blocking us from pursuing you, that we can lay that aside, God, and, and pursue wholeheartedly after you. God, I pray that you remind us of these truths, of, of, of what you want to do inside of our heart, inside of our lives, God. That you do what you, only you can do, and that is give us divine power to overcome the sin and temptations in our life and to pursue after you, God. I pray that the calling... God, I pray that you bind the enemy because we know if the enemy would try to eliminate anything, it would be the calling to make disciples. The one thing that you gave us to do, God, before you left. And I pray that you give us wisdom of how to take those steps and how to move forward, God. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. We're going to take... Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.